Last week we were dealing with the church which is his body. We have for the last few weeks and we may like we did in Revelation chapter 1. I think we dealt with that for about a year or longer and we may deal with the church which is his body. Really we're dealing with that in every meeting we come to. We're dealing with the church who is his body because the church who is his body is you and I and the believers in the earth. Most believers don't have the comprehension that the church is his body. Most, many believers believe the church is where they go or the meeting they go to, a time of the week, what have you. But the church is his body. And his body is for expressing him. That's what the body's for, is to be his expression in the earth. And this goes back into God dealing with Moses in the book of Exodus. And I'm just going to, I don't know if I'll read them all, but God come to Moses, or Moses come to God on the mountain, however that worked, and God appeared to him in a burning bush. There's a fire in a bush, and the bush did not burn. And we know the story, or many of us do, if not all of us here. And God spoke out of that bush and he told Moses, he said, put off your feet, your shoes, not put off your feet, put the shoes off your feet, for you're on holy ground, not put off your feet. You're on holy ground, because he was going to come off that mountain with a new way to walk. Just like I was talking about the lady coming out of that tent revival, with a new understanding, a new way to walk. And anytime you have an encounter with God, you're going to have a new way to walk. And throughout the encounters with God, that new way, that new understanding, or that light will get brighter and brighter and brighter. But it has to come from an encounter. See, so many want to read the Bible and just say, well, the Bible says this. Well, I can show you where the Bible says a lot of things. And sometimes the Bible can confuse you. But God is not the author of confusion. The problem with you or I getting confused is you or I. It's not God, it's, it's you. <laughs> or me. And to understand He's the author of His Word, we need Him to teach us. It's that simple. So, so when God dealt with Moses, He told Moses, I am that I am, I am who I am. And then he began to declare himself to Moses, and he said, I am Jehovah. That's who I am. And Jehovah become God in their midst. And because some of you weren't here, last week I'm going to share this little piece, and I'm going to move on. God said to Moses, and it's recorded in Exodus chapter 6, He said that He had appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. And that name there, if you look it up, is El Shaddai. You see people with t-shirts sometimes, and one of them they'll say El Shaddai. Right? I don't know if anybody's ever seen that, or they've heard about the El Shaddai. What... And then he goes on to say, but by my name Jehovah was I not known to them. Now, what's interesting is Abraham called him Jehovah Jireh. So, 
Abraham called him Jehovah, but God said he wasn't made known to him, but by my name Jehovah, I was not made known to them. That didn't necessarily mean they didn't call him Jehovah. I believe you can find scripture that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all called him Jehovah. So there's something more to this than they just didn't know whose name was Jehovah. It was what the name meant. And I was reading uh, two or three years ago, maybe longer now. And I'm sitting there one day and I go, oh my Lord. Because I'd read it. And read it. And read it. But I hadn't heard it or seen it. And all at once I realized when he appeared as Jehovah, he wasn't going to leave again. Just like it was set right before me, he would come to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He would come and he'd leave. And he established himself as the Almighty God. I'm it. I'm God. And there is no other. I'm the El. And that word El is dealing with, I'm the Almighty. So he established that. In Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he spoke to them of covenant. And here he comes to Moses and he says, But by my name Jehovah was I not made known to them. I'm going to make my name known. I'm going to be God in your midst. I'm going to be God of covenant. And he says... In this same Exodus 6, verse 7, And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you will know that I am Jehovah, your God. You're going to know I'm Jehovah, your God. You're going to know I'm your personal God. I'm Jehovah, your God. And you're my people. So as Jehovah, he's designating a people to himself. And he's designating himself to a people. That's what he's doing. He's now God in their midst. And, and God then began to travel with Israel. If you go back and read your Bible. As a fire by night. And a cloud by day. So he that had come to Abraham and would come and leave Abraham was now coming to a people to be God in their midst. And I began to see that. And I'd read that I don't know how many times, but I began to see that by the Spirit of God. And I went, oh Lord. Because I could read that over and over and over again. And not see it. And what's even greater is I saw what the fulfillment of this is in Christ. That's John 14, 20. At that day you will know I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. 
not going anywhere. You're going to understand I'm God in your midst. But I'm not just among you. I'm in you. You're going to understand that when the Holy Spirit comes. Because He's going to reveal it to you. And see, what all of us have to do is to allow the Spirit of the Lord to reveal His Word. All of us. If I refuse the Spirit of the Lord to reveal my Word, or His Word, excuse me, it's not my Word, His Word. If I refuse that, He won't. That's the thing with God I've seen through the years. If you refuse God, He doesn't just overpower you. He doesn't just take everything over and tell you what's well, going to be my way. He does this out of cooperation. We become cooperative with Him. And the more and more we become in relationship with Him, the more and more cooperative we get. See, He's already cooperative. So like I said in the beginning, the issue isn't God. The issue's always been us. So as I allow, He'll show you. He said He would teach you all things, yea, even the deep things of God. How much is all? That's a lot. The deep things of God. So what stops me from knowing the deep things of God? Me. I'm the problem. And Jesus is the remedy for me, thank God. So He took me to the cross and crucified me that He might live in me and brought me forth in a brand new man. But anyway... Exodus 6, you know, God is going to be to a people, and a people is going to be to God. And we, we read Matthew 16 last week, and I want us to go back there, and I've got to watch the time. I'll try to keep us around 45 minutes. I've, I've gotten better. I used to keep us around an hour, hour and ten. Kathy laughs because she knows I'll turn the microphone off, and I'll keep it around 45 minutes, but I may talk another five. Matthew 16, verse 13 said, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? This is a big question you've got to answer. Who is the Son of Man? Who is he? Who does the Scripture say he is? That's what we're going to start looking at. And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, or some others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, but whom say you that I am? This is where it gets personal, just like Jehovah saying, I will be to you a God, and you will be to me a people. Jesus says to the disciples, whom do you say that I am? Whom do you? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ. Mark that in your heart. Thou art the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. Why didn't you just say the Son of God? Why do you have to put living there? Every little thing he says has significance. The Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee. Now stop there and consider that statement. What does he mean, flesh and blood, haven't revealed it unto thee? Oh, Jesus is standing right there with him in flesh and blood. And he said, flesh and blood has not revealed it to thee that I'm the Christ. But my Father who is in heaven. So the issue here is how he's revealed as the Christ. Is through his Father who is in heaven. In another place Jesus said, the Father in me. He said, the Father that's in heaven, Jesus said in the Gospels, was in Him. The Father in me doeth the works. And He said, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. That, that flies all in the face of our concept of heaven, if we'll let it. But we have to let it. See, that's the issue. I've got to let it. I've got to let my concept go. Because my concept may be just wrong, and God's might be just right. And that's where the issue comes is I want to hold on to what is mine. It's when I come to the place that I'll turn loose of everything and trust the Lord. We say we trust the Lord, but will you turn loose of everything and trust Him? Turn loose of most things, but I don't want to turn loose of everything. Well, He wants you to turn loose of it all. So, my Father which is in heaven is how the Christ is revealed. That's it. No other way. No other how. So even John who saw the Spirit come down on Jesus as a dove, John the Baptist, and we've all read that story, we should have. He saw the Spirit come down on Jesus as a dove. And he said that whom he sees the Spirit come down, this is he. Well, sometime later, John gets thrown in prison. What's John asked when he gets thrown in prison? John had seen the Spirit come down as a dove. And what does John ask? Are you him? Are you him, Jesus? That's what he asked. Are you him? Because to understand him, I have to see him by the Spirit. And it goes on here, and Jesus said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm going to repeat myself again from last week or the week before. Peter means Petra, or a rock, a stone. And it's... Not coincidental, I could be, I could kid around Sister Jackie and say, do you think it's coincidental that Peter said that we are stones in the building of God? Peter, who Jesus called a stone, 
is who writes that we're a spiritual house. That we're stones built up in a spiritual house under the Lord. It's in the book of Peter. So Peter, who is called Petra, or a stone, and Jesus goes on and said, Upon this rock, this revelation of me, through my revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, I'm going to overcome the gates of hell. My church is going to overcome the gates of hell. It's not going to prevail against my church. I remember as a young man, Sister Shirley, I read this scripture, and in my mind I wanted to build some physical church, and I thought God was talking about a physical building. That's what I thought. I come back to my mind. I think I was preaching in Swords Creek, Virginia then, and I was looking out, at a building, a physical building, because I couldn't see the building of God by the Spirit of God. Now, I had the Spirit of God, but I wasn't seeing by the Spirit of God. Different thing of having the Spirit of God and seeing by the Spirit of God. I had the Spirit of God then. But I, I wasn't seeing by the Spirit of God that was in me. And I saw in my mind that, that in, there was this special kind of church, which there is, but it's the church which is his body. And he's going to build that church through his revelation. You're built through the revealing of him. That's how you're built. And if you don't come to the revealing of him, you may not be built real well. Because he's your substance. Church which is his body, the fullness of the fullness. The fullness part should give it away that He's the substance of the church. The fullness of Him that fills all, you're the all that He fills, with all of Himself, all things relating to Him. That's how He fills it. So we need to be about, and that's what Jesus told us, come unto me all you that labor heavy laden, take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn of who? Me. Of Him. And I'll give you rest. Whole earth is looking for rest. Jesus said, come learn to me and you'll get it. Because you'll find rest in me. You won't find rest anywhere else. But you will in me. You won't find rest in the world. The world won't get it done. But be a good cheer. I have overcome the world. So, then He comes and He says... And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And he says, he says this right here in regards to him being Jesus the Christ. Just something for the future maybe. We'll see. But I want you to look at verse 20 real close. Then charged he his disciples that, he should, that they should tell no man that he was Jesus, the Christ. This say just Jesus, but he's Jesus, the Christ. And the word Christ means something. And when we begin to dig in the Bible, we'll find... You know, we'll dig out the definition. The word Christ is the anointed of God. It's anointed 
In the Old Testament, when someone was anointed, they were anointed for a particular purpose. They weren't just anointed. They were anointed for a purpose. And you have to go back and study your Bible to begin to see this, but Jesus is the Christos, the Christ, the anointed of God. And in Acts chapter 10, turn over to Acts 10, I think we want about verse 34. Acts 10.34 says, Opening his mouth, Peter said, I must certainly understand how that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all, you yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting in Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know of Jesus of Nazareth how God anointed him. Read that. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed with the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible not to all the people but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is, to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who had been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. While Peter was still speaking this, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. All these circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. So, so here, Peter said God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power. So this anointing was toward a purpose. And he was the one anointed toward the purpose. That's what I want you to mark in your heart. He was anointed toward a purpose. If you go back in the Old Testament, and I won't read all of this, but in the books of Leviticus and Exodus, it's, well, I'm going to read a few verses in Exodus 8. You can turn it there if you want. It's up to you, 8-1. It says here, Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them to minister as priests to me. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread 
and unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers spread with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and present them in the basket along with the bull and the two ramps. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. You shall take the garments and put on Aaron the tunic, the robe, the ephod, the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with skillf skillfully woven band of the ephod and you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. Then you shall take the anointing oil. Here's what you shall do in the priesthood. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. So they would take the oil and this oil they took was only for the priest and the priest's sons. It was a specific oil. It was made a specific way. And God told them not to take the, the anointing oil and use it for anything but the priest. Not to, because they had particular fragrances in it. It wasn't just olive oil. It was olive oil with, with particular fragrances in it, particular, I want to say, spices. And it brought to my mind, I haven't searched this out, but it brought to my mind two things. It brought to my mind Jesus as a, as a child, as a babe, when they come to Him with their gifts of spices and myrrhs, that He was the anointed one. And also when Mary come with the spices and herbs, the myrrhs, to anoint His body for the offering. Because see, they, offer, they anointed the priests to offer the sacrifices unto the Lord. And they actually offered sacrifices for the priest. But Jesus, the Bible said, had nothing to offer but Himself. So He offered up Himself and He was anointed with the Spirit of God to bring forth what God purposed in the earth. That's what He is anointed to do. So if I'm going to understand the Christ, I'm going to have to go out back in the Scriptures and read of the Scriptures of the Christ. It's all through the Scripture. What I mean by the Scripture is Genesis to Malachi. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. I do want you to turn there. It says, The Spirit of the Lord Jehovah is upon me. Isaiah 61 verse 1. Because Jehovah hath anointed me. Who hath? Jehovah. To do what? To preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them a garland for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Now this is more than the Oil, in the Old Testament, the oil of joy that we get is the Holy Ghost. 
That's the oil of joy. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of Jehovah, that he may be glorified. That they may be called what? Trees of righteousness. That's the purpose of him being anointed. That there be a people in the earth that are called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. This goes in his purpose of being anointed. He's going to preach the gospel, the good news. That's what the gospel means, good news. Most, or many, I've got I to be careful with the word most. I'm trying to remove it from my vocabulary, Abby, because I say most too often. Many call the gospel bad news. Gospel means good news. We could stay all day just on that. The good news come. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That's good news. Because the good news come that he's going to preach good tidings to the meek. How many need some good tidings preached to them? I mean, I mean, a lot of what God's people have preached to them has been real bad. Really, really bad. You better get it right now. They haven't even heard the good tidings. That Jesus did it all for them. How many believe Jesus did it all? He hath finished the work that God gave him to do. This, this is good news. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captive and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the year of Jehovah's favor. So we're in the favor of God. If you're in Christ, you're in His favor. You can say to the Lord, Lord, thank you for your favor. I have the favor of the Lord. The Lord has given me favor. And this favor is in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is where God's favor is at. You are trees of righteousness. You don't have to question anymore if you're righteous. God have made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God's people should feel righteous in the earth. Unfortunately, the people that feel the most unrighteous in the earth is the church. Most Unbelievers don't feel unrighteous because they ain't worried about righteousness. You know that? If you get amongst a bunch of unbelievers, they're not thinking about most of the time whether they're righteous or not. Maybe every now and then it'll cross their mind. But most of the time they're not thinking about it. The ones struggling with righteousness are sitting here and all over the earth on Sunday mornings listening to somebody teach or preach. And many times they leave a meeting and they still don't feel righteous. Because they haven't comprehended what God did for them in Christ. That's why they don't feel righteous. Because you haven't comprehended what God has already done. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are. Not because you deserved it. 
Not because you got everything right, but He did. See, Jesus got everything right. And He got everything right that now everything that He did can be applied to me. So now the favor of the Lord can be applied to me. That's right. Does Paul, does Paul, what does Paul say? That you are blessed with all what? How, much, how many spiritual blessings? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What if, what if I turned my mind and I said to the Lord, Lord, I, I'm going to start from today forward and I want you to teach me what all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus are. You reckon God might want to do that? He said He's blessed you with them, but what if you don't know them? What's He blessed you with? See, see, we, we walk around, we don't even know what God's blessed us with. We don't know all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But God said that, you know, in His Word, that's what He blessed you with. So it might be a good idea for you and I to know that. And part of that's right here, that we now have a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. Did you feel that garment of praise this morning as we were in the song service? And, and the joy of the Lord, the praise of the Lord, the presence of the Lord begin to flow out. Not a spirit of heaviness, but a garment of praise. Because we're living in what He's done. That's what the good news is. I'm living in what Jesus has done. I'm not living in what I did. I'm living in what He did. That's real good news. I see that so powerfully, Sister Jackie. If I can get people to see it, I see it in the type and shadow of the Israelites when they crossed the Red Sea. They couldn't get across the Red Sea. They come up to the Red Sea and they're like, uh-oh, these Egyptians are behind us and we're dead. You ever read that story? They come right up to the Red Sea. They're looking behind him. There's Pharaoh and his army. And they're going, uh-oh. We got before us a Red Sea. And we've got Egyptians behind us. And we're in trouble. What happened? God rolled back the sea. God discomfited the Egyptians. Notice what I'm saying. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. The, the Israelites didn't even get the prayer right. They were, sitting there, they were sitting there in unbelief going, Moses, you just brought us out here to die. God rolled back the Red Sea. God dealt with the Egyptians. And the Israelites just walked right on into the wilderness. They just walked through in His work. Same way when they came out of that house, when they entered in there with the blood on the door, only thing God, I think, told them to do was go slay a lamb, take the blood, paint it across the doorway, enter into that door and eat the lamb. I'm going to do everything else. You just paint, you just take the blood of the lamb, put it up on the door, and enter into the door, and you eat that lamb. And you're going to come out in the light of the new day, and I'm going to bring you out. And they walked in His provision. They didn't walk in their own. They didn't get it all right. God did. And He took them out of Egypt through the Red Sea on their way to Canaan. 
They didn't have food for the journey. They didn't go out and find their own food. God fed them. God gave them manna and and um, what was the birds? And quail. I couldn't spit out. So he fed them. They were thirsty. And he gave them water. He was their provision. See, this is what the favor of the Lord is, is living in what Christ has done. See, God anointed Jesus with the Spirit of God that we would be called the trees of righteousness, not through what we've done. We haven't become trees of righteousness because we got it all right. We become trees of righteousness through what He's done, and we declare in the earth what He's done. That's what we do. Now, I have plans to get much further than I have this morning, but we've received of the Lord. We've received of what God anointed Jesus to do. And so what God anointed Jesus to do, we've received of it. That's, that's, that's what is bounty to us. Just like for Israel, what was bounty to them was the land of Canaan. They, go to, they get up to the land of Canaan, and when they finally go into land, before they, before they went into the land, they spent, sent spies in the land. They came out of the land. You're going to have to give me a few more minutes this morning. But they sent spies in the land. The spies come out, and they had all this great fruit. And ten of these spies say, there's no way we can enter in there. We're done. Think of us, man. This people had seen God roll back the Red Sea. They had seen God defeat enemy after enemy, feed them in the wilderness, provide water for them. And they walk over in Canaan. They see giants in the land. They start looking out of their own understanding, out of their own eyesight. This goes back to the beginning when we were talking. I told you, sister, really listen. We look out of our own understanding and we look at the land and we see giants in the land. But we look out of God's understanding and we see Him just like Elisha saw the army of the Lord and he prayed for the one with him, Lord, open, open his eyes that he can see the army of the Lord. See, those Israelites couldn't see the might and power of God, so they begin to declare, God's not for us, God's brought us out here to die. And God said, okay, according to your word, let it be. You're going to die in the wilderness. You're going to wander around the wilderness till you die. And that was their own word. That's what they were confessing. They weren't confessing Him. It's in the book of Numbers. I believe chapter 13, 14, or 15, somewhere around there, God told them, okay, I've, I've heard you. I'm going to give you what you said. And you're going to wander around in the wilderness, I think from 20 years old and above, and all that's 20 years old and above is going to die right here in the wilderness and you're not going to enter into the land except for Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua and Caleb, the Bible said, had a different spirit. So the whole time they were wandering around with this people, Joshua and Caleb had a different understanding, a different mind, a different heart the whole time. That God was more than able to give them the land. And see now, our bounty that God's given us, and this is where I was going, Brother Wayne, what our bounty that that land of Canaan represented is the bounty of God in Christ. Everything God did in Christ. See, see God told the children of Israel, everywhere you go in this land, you can possess it. Now what He's telling us is everything He did in Christ, you can possess. 
you can know. That's what he's telling us. Everything. So all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus are yea and amen because God desires to give it to you. You don't even have to guess if He wants to give it to you. So you can sit down with the Lord, and I'm, I'm finishing. You can sit down with the Lord, and we talked about prayer time this morning. You can sit down with the Lord. And you can sit down and you can say, Lord, I'm here to receive your blessings in Christ Jesus. I'm here to know all the riches of God in Christ. I'm here to walk in them, not just know them, not just see them in the book. But I'm here that they be in my heart, in my mind. I'm here to live in them. Because you brought me here, Lord. And I'm going to confess what you've done, Lord. I'm going to confess that you've saved me from head to toe. I had Brother Dale Graham talking a, a week or so ago about people saying, Well, I'm not saved yet. Well, I'm here to confess He saved me from head to toe. I'm here to confess that. So, we have been fully, completely, wholly saved. What He's done for you is yes and amen. It's complete. It's finished. And what we're going to look at in the coming weeks is the Christ. We're going to look at the Son of the living God. And we're going to look at the Lord. And we're going to go back and we're going to look at Scriptures. I'll give you one in Daniel. It speaks about the Christ coming to the ancient days and Him giving a kingdom that shall never end. It's, I believe in the book of Daniel too. But there's all kinds of Scriptures in the Old Testament about the Christ. And we're going to peel some of those back and we're going to allow the Lord to really speak in our hearts and He's going to speak in us. We're going to believe that. So I'm going to believe that, Brother Bob. He's really going to speak in us of the Christ. So we're going to come away with understanding. Understanding we can walk with. Well, I could go on for another hour and a half and I won't. The Lord bless you. Anybody have any comments, questions? We always open this up. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you disagree, just don't throw...